All right, welcome to another edition here of Beyond Eight Figures. Steve Olsher hanging out with the lovely Mary Goulet. Hello, Mary Goulet. Richie Otay playing the drums over there. Nice, man. How you doing, my brother? Doing great, thank you. Doing great, doing great. Wade's got it in control in the studio. Kelly's got it in control back at headquarters. And here on Beyond Eight Figures, most of the time we sit down with entrepreneurs who have either exited for more than $10 million or currently run businesses that gross more than $10 million annually and grill them until we get to the bottom of the tools and tactics and shortcuts and strategies that help them get to where they are in terms of starting and scaling and in some cases exiting from that business. And when I say most of the time, uh, what I mean is we're often joined by those folks and sometimes we're not. And this is one of those episodes where uh, I'm actually going to be the the target suspect here, so to speak, because uh, we just exited from Liquor.com. And we sold that business. And it's if you want the untold story of, of Liquor.com, uh, I spent actually quite a bit of time, although it didn't take me nearly as long as I thought to tell the whole story. I guess the story wasn't that complicated. Uh, but there's well, quite a bit. you've told it a lot. I've told it a lot. And so I've got it down now where I could Took out all just, those extra words. I could dictate into the phone and get it done pretty quickly. But um, yeah, I shared a lot of the untold story of Liquor.com. Uh, at uh, bit.ly, so bit.ly is one of those short links, so bit.ly slash liquor, L-I-Q-U-O-R-C-O-M, so bit.ly, so bit.ly slash liquor.com, L-I-Q-U-O-R-C-O-M, and you can get a lot of the details there. I'm not going to go into the details on any of the backstory and whatnot uh, around liquor.com because, uh, again, it's all there, but I do want to just share uh, the Barry Dillers Company, uh, which is IAC Interactive Corporation, uh, which about dot uh, com is one of their main properties. So technically, dot dash uh, is the name of the company that acquired Liquor dot com, and uh, I'm completely out. That chapter is done. It is written onwards, and uh, you know it's interesting how, especially in business, how so much of our, at least for most entrepreneurs, so much of our identities are tied up. Uh, in that business, I, I guess I didn't realize how much of my identity really was tied up in in being that liquor.com guy. Well, wait one second. Hmm. Before we start the show. Yes, sir. How exactly do you qualify? Right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Are well, you saying you exited for Beyond Eight Figures? Here's what I'm saying. I am saying that <laughs> those terms were not disclosed. And, uh, oh, I so am, you're gonna, I am, but wait, we grill people on this yes, show. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, like, yeah, right? So you need to give prepared. us an answer. I am completely prepared. As a matter of fact, that would be fun. You guys could totally turn the tables here, and, uh, <laughs> and I will be the guest. So it's uh, it just it's been a really, really interesting trek uh, over the better part of uh, 21 years. I mean, 98 is when uh, when we bought the liquor.com domain. Well, I'm surprised I haven't said this to you yet, but you've been doing so many things after New Media Summit and, you know, come and go and taking care of the kids, all that stuff in between shows. But I tell you, you know, it's got to be an emotional roller coaster ride knowing to that point of 20-some years plus, oh, yeah. you know, all the years prior, um, liquor by wire and all that. Yeah. Um, but when you sell a company... Most people, I would imagine, want to still see it be successful. Mm. And good for you. You guys, like this company has all the pieces to to do all the things you probably wished it could have turned into. And so yeah. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Like, is it, I mean, is it bittersweet? Is it, what, what? What's yeah. your feeling? Yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's definitely bittersweet. It's definitely very emotional. I... When, when I 
So if I'm going to tell a little bit of the story, I'll tell a little bit of the story. So <laughs> when we picked up the domain in 98, we had already had an existing business that was doing millions of dollars in revenue, which was Liquor by Wire, right? So it became Liquor.com in, uh, in, in 1998 when we bought that domain. That was around the time when the dot-com, you know, like everything was just going nuts, right? I mean, the dot-com world was just absolutely exploding in a good way. Uh, and it was pretty nuts because ideas on a napkin, right, were being funded with, to the tune of venture capitals, companies saying, hey, here's millions of dollars, you know, you got a great idea, and it's just silliness. But we got caught up in all that dot-com hype, got blinded by that dot-com light, uh, and in 99, we felt like, hey, you know, we got a great domain, we were, we're doing millions of dollars in revenue, we really just need more people to know that we exist. So let's try to take this company public. And... That's when we went to Wall Street, and Wall Street said, hey, we need more gray hairs. We need you to bring more of these lettered saviors, you know, the CEOs, the CTOs, the CFOs, the WTFs, you know, like all these people that we didn't need or care about. But we bought into it, and um, we were slated to go public in March of 2000. And, of course, that was when everything imploded. So the S-1 was filed, ready to go public, March of 2000, everything imploded. Uh, within nine months, I, I walked away from the company completely walked away from everything including the domain and it was literally out of sight out of mind for the better part of um, almost six years until one day I was walking the dog and reading the Wall Street Journal and the headline said something to the extent of domain name prices approaching pre-bubble valuations something like that and and so I was like, oh, man, I wonder whatever happened to the liquor.com domain. I never really signed away my rights to it and, and so on. Anyway, I tracked it down to a guy in the, in the country of Panama. And we had discussions around, you know, hey, how'd you get this domain, this, that, and the other. And I didn't threaten litigation, but it certainly, let's just say that I implied that there may be actions that I would need to take if he didn't return the domain to me, even though... I probably didn't have any right to it, but I just knew that I didn't sign my way, sign away any rights to the domain. So and all of this needs to be prefaced by saying that I got into this business because my grandfather started Foremost Liquor Stores in Chicago back in 1939. So when I came on to join the, the family business in, in 1991, my mom had already been there for 14 years when she went there in 1977. So this was a family business and liquor by wire at the time was just a very small piece of that puzzle we would go days without an order coming in right i mean it was like there was nothing there and, and F liquor by wire was just like ftd for flowers you were here in california you wanted to send a bottle of champagne to somebody in new york we would take care of that order for you the local retailer would deliver it that was the way you got across not going across shipping state across state exactly yeah. and, and we never took possession of the product and, and so there were there were loopholes there that we were working with mm. And so when I came on board, I didn't really have an interest in doing anything with, with Foremost, the stores per se, but I thought that this might have some pretty meaningful potential. And that's when I said to mom, you know, hey, maybe I can, I can focus on this. And again, it was doing nothing. I mean, it was, it, like I said, days would go by without the 1-800 number ringing, and that's how we were taking orders back in 91. And, uh, and so a family business, right? And when things blew up in 2000, that was painful. You know, that, that hurt quite a bit. It felt like yeah, everything was for naught, and we had actually sold off of the foremost liquor store piece in 1994 to really focus then on, on Liquor by Wire. Uh, and so, yeah, it was, it was 
was really painful. It was really emotional back in 2000. And there was a certain degree of elation, for sure, when I was able to get the domain back in, uh, in 2006. Matter of fact, it was kind of a Christmas present because the guy emailed me Christmas Eve 2006 and said, you know, I've decided to, uh, to give you back your domain. And hmm. that, was, that was pretty interesting. Uh, not going to bore you with details around that, but I, I didn't really feel like I wanted at that point to get back into the liquor business. I had been doing real estate development uh, from 2000 to 2006 when I got the domain back, right? It didn't really feel like I wanted to get back into that whole world of, of the liquor business, alcohol beverage world, whatever you want to call it. So I put the domain up for sale and had a number of offers on it, the highest of which was $4.25 million just for the domain. Needless to say, I accepted, and the guy made the first few payments and then bailed on the rest. So once again, bubble kind of got deflated there, and it's like, okay, man, it's just a sign. Just leave this thing alone, you know, walk away from it, whatever. But I knew the domain had value, so we kept the domain and we kept the payments that he made, and... That's when I went to try to find a team out of San Francisco to to run the business. Because, again, I, just in hindsight, I just didn't have the desire. Yeah, It's not that I didn't have the ability. It's, didn't, it's not that I couldn't have done it. But I, I guess I just didn't have the desire. Do you have regret about that? A lot of regret about that. Yeah. And the biggest regret is is more more along the lines of just how I structured the deal. Because when we, when we went to San Francisco, and I say we, I had a, a friend of mine who was in the graphic design business. He created some collateral and whatnot, and we went and displayed at uh, TechCrunch, had something called a demo pit. So we displayed in TechCrunch's demo pit to try to find investors to help us build this business. And we ended up landing uh, on, on a couple of guys there who we started talking with. They had a consulting group, smart, capable, very able-bodied people. And the deal that we ended up structuring with them was I'll contribute the domain and they'll build the business and we'd be 50-50 partners. So this almost sounds like a repeat of the signing off to the three-lettered people. Yeah, the lettered saviors, exactly. Yep, so... um, what I should have done in terms of regrets is I should have controlled the ownership of the domain. I should have leased the domain to the company mm. and probably could have leased it to the company for 25 K a month and, you know, 300 K a year all day long on that. Anyway, brought in these guys, they started running it. I sat on the board as chairman, which quickly just became a, a figurehead that was irrelevant. And they ran it. So I literally had no day-to-day on this thing for, for 10-odd years, right, from 2009 until till the present. And they did a lot of things really well. They were really good about building traffic. They were really good about uh, ranking, I mean, number one, number two, in every category you could think of. You know, you type in margarita, liquor.com. You type in tequila, liquor.com. Like, just did a lot of things really, really well. Subscribers, four-odd million subscribers to the database, et cetera. Mm. But they couldn't make money. Why Never not? made money. Because we came from two very different mindsets. And, and, the, and the red flag went off for me when I visited the, the guy who became the CEO, when I visited the house that he was building in San Francisco. And the house that he was building in San Francisco was like a $15 million house. Wasn't really his money. His wife 
was a crazy successful executive with one of the largest private equity buyout type firms in the world. So these are the types of companies that go in and buy Harrah's Casino as an example, mm. and then turn around and flip it and make three hundred million on that, and you know that that sort of company. And he and I and the board differed greatly in terms of our approaches to here's how you build a business. I'm of the mindset that you should get to profitability as quickly as possible. They were of the mindset that you you burn until you achieve profitability, if ever. And so, but, you know, I, I that's what I went for. When I went to San Francisco to find partners, I had said to myself, look, the dot-com world is a Silicon Valley phenomenon. They understand the world of the internet better than we do here in Chicago, which is where I was at the time. And, and I told myself that story, and I believe that story. And so that's why I went out to find those partners. The truth is I just didn't have the desire. Mm-hmm. I just didn't have the desire to do what it took to build a business. We should have been selling product from day one, Richie. I don't oh. care if it was a glass, if it was an ice cube, if it was a T-shirt. It should have, should have had membership programs from day one. 100%. Should have had educational programs from day one. Should have had bartender programs from day I mean... Endless. Like, endless. Endless. Endless, 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 endless. And so, and so when all of this came about, and, and for years it was always the struggle of, we're going to run out of cash, we're going to run out of cash, we're going to run out of cash, we're going to run out of cash. And it was always just the sky has fallen. So we'd raise more money. Sky has fallen. Raise more money. Sky has mm. fallen. Raise more money. And, of course, at every juncture, what happens when you raise more money? Dilute. You get more diluted, more diluted. So where I sat, and the second mistake and the second regret that I have, Mary, is I sat in the box of being a common stock shareholder as the original founder. So I had no preferred shares. I had no voting rights. I had no, abil- I had no abilities to do anything when we raised our Series A, when we raised our Series B, when we took on venture debt, when we took on our Series C, et cetera. So by the time all was said and done, we had raised um, about $10 to $12 million, something like that. Still not profitable. Still no profitability on the horizon by any stretch. But it was, um, it was an opportunity uh, for us to, to, to grow our way into the black. Raise more money, new initiatives, spend your way into the black. And like I said, red flag went off when I went into his house. And I knew that he would not have the ability to be frugal. I knew that he would not have the ability to guerrilla market this thing. And, and I didn't trust my gut, as mm. I'm pointing to Mary here. You know? But at the same token... I didn't have the desire. So it was, it was a crazy push-me-pull-you of wanting to do it and then being frustrated by all the conversations with the board. The board hated me. I was the black sheep of that board. Hated me. Why? Because I was emotional, you know? I mean, it was, it was a family business, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's so, so yeah. many ways, so many things I've wanted to ask you about this, especially being the author, <clears throat> the author of What Is Your What, you know, the interesting that I wonder how much you thought it was in your DNA you were supposed to be doing this. 
because your grandfather was doing foremost. Yeah. And like in hindsight, looking back, if you didn't have any desire to do it, maybe all these things were just for you to let it go in the first place. Yeah. But, oh man, I like, I get it, man. I just, I want to give you a big hug because I know this, so many levels of the coulda, shoulda, wouldas are just, they're just not even worth going into, right? Yeah. You know, and, and so when I wrote the, the article, the untold story, uh, so mom read that, mm-hmm. right? And so we had worked together for nine years from 91 to 2000. And so she wasn't involved at all in the, in the second iteration. This was the 2009 on iteration. Um, but I made it really clear in, in the article that, you know, part of why I stayed with it was to... was to try to make take as much time as you need it's not radio we don't need we'll take the dead dead space take your time Steve was to make my grandfather proud and to make mom proud you know and And she said to me, like when she, even when she joined the business in in 77, like she knew she shouldn't go into that business. She, she had no love for it, you know, and, and really in, in 91, when I went into it, I didn't either, you know? So, so yeah, <laughs> a lot of regret, a lot of emotion, right? So you close the chapter, you move on, but storybook ending? No. It's not over yet. That's that a is. chapter. It's a chapter. Yep. I told my daughter the other day when she said, Daddy, what's a nightmare? And I said, it's the 15 minutes before the fairy tale you watch are over. It's not over. That's a chapter. You know, if you just looked at liquor.com, it could be a sad chapter. Yeah. But if you look at how do you think your mom feels about you? Do you think she's proud? Does it have anything to do with that? You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's, if you attach it to that chapter, it's real easy to think it's not a storybook ending. But I think you got a hell of a storybook ending coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, you know, you you look and, I mean, we're all around the same age. And, you know, you start thinking, like, so if you're going to dive into to something else... Like I've been, you know, what's next? Like, I, you know, how long have I, how long have I, have I been talking about latitude? You know, I mean, it's over a year for sure. Why haven't I done anything with it? Well, because 
it's like you you only have so many windows of time to do things so if that's so if that's a 10 year window of time that i would have to devote to that how many of those do i have left so is that is that what i want to do with the next 10 year window of time mhm it's a lot of soul searching mm-hmm. right yeah you look you have a new perspective and you look at opportunity and discern where you should put your time energy efforts and really what you love to do and spending balancing that with the kids and lena and yeah. i it kind of reminds me of people who lost their family farm in a mm. downturn mm. and they have to start over or someone loses their job and then their home and they need to rebuild yeah it does a mind shape on our priorities and values so if you're asking the question do i want to spend 10 years on latitude what does that question spark in your mind Yeah. It, I mean it, that's exactly the question that it sparks is is that the best investment of my time for the next 10 years. And yeah, I don't know. I mean that's yeah. So I don't want to cross shows too much, but if we if if um you were coaching yourself and you were you know you heard me say this on another show like who who are you most compelled to serve? Yeah. You know, you're the author of New York Times bestseller what is your what? Like who are you most compelled to serve? Like do you feel like latitude makes you feel complete? Cuz sometimes I feel like there's two versions. There's Steve Olsher and there's Mr. Bold. Yeah. And Mr. Bold needs to go do big bold things. And Steve Olsher can still do big bold things, but Steve Olsher is like this badass cool human being. Mm. And I I would ask from that like if you were coaching yourself. Yeah. Who do you really feel compelled to serve and what do you want to be doing every day cuz you know how many you've done enough of these things you know every single one of them comes back to fundamentals and at bats yeah. and doing the same sometimes boring ass shit over and over again. Yeah. And that's you know that's the the fine line that as well I can only speak for myself I don't know if other entrepreneurs walk this line as well but for me it's the fine line of what is it that you want versus what is it that you actually need and if you have what you want in my case where I guess a better way to put it is I have what I need the house is paid for the cars are paid for you know I have a a a good business with what we're doing here in this podcasting space and the coaching space and doing the live events and so on enough to certainly sustain the lifestyle that I have and as I've always preached I mean we have the number of downloads that um that that I that I need to support the lifestyle that I want right so but at the same token wherein lies the challenge and as being wired in this way i need the challenge but it's a hell of a cluster because knowing what it takes to bring something larger to fruition 
then it becomes a matter of do I really want to be working that hard when I turn the clock at 50? But what else am I going to be doing? Well, what you're doing. You know, so... What you're doing. You love doing the new media summits. But none of that is easy either, you know? But you have have success in your back pocket on that. And you're on stage. It's your natural element. Yeah. Truly. I know, I, I, and I love and and I love being on stage. Wait, we're going to run out of time here, but let me just let me let me just say this if I can. Is you know, look, if, if you were in that that struggle of trying to figure out what's next, just know that uh, you're not alone. Mm-hmm. You know, and and we talk about it here on Beyond Eight Figures, where it's not just the eight figures, but beyond. Eight figures, as Richie so, you know, correctly points out after almost every episode, is there's so much more beyond the figures. Mm -hmm. And it's the struggle, it's the conversation, it's the challenge. Being an entrepreneur, no matter how big, how small, no matter what you're doing, who you're serving, you're going to have challenges, And that's just par for the course. Yeah, we're almost out. I want to make one teeny comment. Please. Go back to Richard. Richard, what are the two of the top five of your questions? How do you want to play when your business grows up? And who do you want to play with when your business grows up? That's clarified for me what I want to do with my work. Yeah, say it one more time. How? How do you want to play in your business when your business grows up? And who do you want to play with in your business when your business grows up? Yeah. People that I love, I know that. Okay. I love you guys. We love you. We too. All right, my friends. We'll talk to you next time.